know what's going to happen in this sport in this sport you never know with with these fights anything is possible i do look at myself as being one of the most dominant fighters in mma history he didn't know it was going to be a buffet though he thought it was going to be a three-piece now you're getting the whole mgm grand buffet to the face man what's up fight fans it's time for the rj ringside ufc 249 recap show i'm your host heidi fang joined along with our mma writer who is on the ground in jacksonville florida where ufc 249 just took place and went off pretty successfully i have to say adam hill is there with us joining us via skype and first of all we started off we saw the main event getting uh, you know, new champ crowned here in the interim lightweight championship. We had a retirement. We had a Hall of Fame announcement. We had the President of the United States, Adam, give the UFC 249 his blessing as far as making sure this card went off well. Uh, so first of all, before we open up things, before we start talking about this fight card, let's hear the message that Donald Trump started off the event with, the President of the United States. I'm standing in a very important spot, right outside the Oval Office, and you're looking at the White House behind me. And it's an honor to be here, and it's an honor to salute you. And I want to congratulate Dana White and the UFC. They're going to have a big match. We love it. We think it's important. Get the sports leagues back. Let's play. You do the social distancing and whatever else you have to do. But we need sports. We want our sports back. And congratulations to Dana White, UFC. So, Adam, this would be the start of what we will see as the next eight days having events in Florida and Jacksonville, where UFC 249 just concluded. You're out there right now. You've heard from Dana. You've heard from the new champion, Justin Gaethje. I mean, what a performance. Let's just start there with the main event here of the evening. I don't think a lot of people in the beginning were thinking that Gaethje would win going through basically five rounds, though the fight was ended late in the fifth. But going that distance with Tony Ferguson's, dragging him into deep waters, showing just great execution with his game plan. The left hand, you had tweeted that earlier in the night, Adam, was really working well for Justin Gaethje throughout the evening and the way that he was able to get to Tony Ferguson and effectively rock him at certain points, stumble him, have his whole equilibrium thrown off. What did you make of Justin Gaethje's performance and taking the interim lightweight championship home tonight? I mean, he was phenomenal. There, there's no other way to put it. Uh, he came out and gave an incredible performance. It's the kind of performance that we've seen Justin Gaethje be able to put together, you know, for three rounds, two rounds, and just go all out. But he, for five rounds, really pushed the pace, landed at will. And I think pretty early in the fight, you could tell he was going to be able to land big left hands pretty much whenever he wanted to. The only question in this fight was, was Tony Ferguson going to be able to take enough of them to finally find a time to rally? And the answer was no, because Justin Gaethje just was relentless. He kept pushing forward, kept going, and uh, Tony Ferguson just never really had a chance to recover. He landed that one big shot uh, in the middle of the fight, uh, dropped Gaethje just before the bell, but uh, that was at, at the end of a round where Gaethje was you know, finding a home for his left hand over and over again, so it didn't even really get him the round in my mind. Uh, so I just thought an incredible performance from Gaethje. And Ferguson did not look like himself, but Man, I think we have to give Justin Gaethje a lot of credit for how Tony Ferguson looked tonight. Uh, he just never let him find a rhythm. Here's what's interesting to me, and this is something that we've seen in the past with fighters who don't 
really like that interim tag as much as we do. Uh, they, we see Justin Gaethje take the belt after Dana White puts it on him, and then he just kind of takes it off. Joe Rogan asked him in the post-fight interview, what are you doing? What are you taking? He's like, I'm waiting for the real belt. So now Justin Gaethje is going to have to wait and stand by until Habib Nurmagomedov is ready to go and challenge him and you know look to unify this lightweight belt. So this is going to take some time for anything to happen on that front. Do you think that, uh, I don't know, we see this fight maybe happen towards the end of the year. When would you guess that we might see Nurmagomedov back? I mean, the state of the world right now, there's a whole bunch of questions regarding that. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the kind of fight they wouldn't really do without fans. I mean, that's just too big of a fight in my mind uh, to put together. We saw, you know, Dana White say he doesn't really, really want to do a Conor McGregor fight with no fans because you lose so much in the gate. I think the same would be true of an nurmagomedov Gaethje fight be really, really difficult to put that fight on uh, in an era with no fans. Uh, Nurmagomedov did say he would be able to come back sooner than expected. I mean, usually he waits until about September after Ramadan is over. Uh, he said maybe July, maybe August. So if there's fans allowed back in buildings at that point, it would make some sense to do that fight. But I think a lot of people want to see it after uh, the performance that Justin Gaethje put on tonight. Uh, Nurmagomedov had a tweet that said no comment. Uh, which I thought was pretty interesting, but uh, he had to be impressed by what Gaethje did. Uh, I know Nurmagomedov has been thinking about Tony Ferguson for a while. Tony Ferguson said tonight he's been thinking of Nurmagomedov for a while. He was training for a wrestler and instead fought a guy that was just like throwing punches at him all night, so a different kind of an animal there. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the fight happens sometime this year. I think the question is when are fans allowed back, and I think that's when they're going to try to do it. Yeah, and we would expect that to maybe happen if the borders also open up because part of the reason that this fight didn't happen between Tony and Nurmagomedov was because uh, Habib couldn't leave Russia to be able to get here for the fight. So that's something that we'll have to see how everything plays out with COVID-19. Speaking of that, Adam, I mean, well, it's you know obviously been the main thing that's been happening here during these fights is that you see that the UFC has prepared for COVID-19. We've seen them cleaning up the cages. We've seen them in between fights spraying things down. We've seen the social distancing happening all week with uh, scrums. I, I finally saw a wide angle shot of when you were speaking with Dana White uh, during the week and it, everybody is way far apart from each other in a large ballroom it would seem. So um, how do you think the UFC pulled this off and in terms of everything happening with COVID-19, especially due to the fact that one fight between Uriah Hall and Jacare Souza was canceled because uh, Jacare and two of his cornermen had tested positive for the virus. Yeah, I mean, we obviously saw a lot of protocols this week that were put in place, not only at the hotel that a lot of people have seen and talked about and heard about uh, with you know, testing as soon as you get there, trying to isolate people as much as possible, uh, trying to keep people away from each other. Obviously, it wasn't 100%. We saw the photos and the video of Jocker around other fighters, uh, despite, you know, having that positive test uh, result come back. So nothing was 100%. And I think they learned some lessons, one of those being, hey, you have to, um, you know, you're putting these protocols in place, but you also have to expect the fighters to do their part when you tell them to stay away from each other. Uh, so maybe a couple more guidelines in terms of that or uh, rules and regulations. But, you know, in the end, guys are going to, you know, guys are going to do what they want to do. So it's tough to rely on those fighters uh, to to live up to their end of the bargain, so to speak, if that if part of your plan is to have guys just completely staying away from each other. But we saw those protocols in place tonight. We saw it again, not only in the cage with the disinfecting, as you just saw, uh, but also in the media center, like in the media center, every single media person had their own table. They all had their own microphone. Nobody was uh, touching each other's microphones or sitting at the same table. They all had their own chair. There was same thing cage side with 
the media section was everybody at their own table. Uh, so just as much distancing as they probably they possibly could uh, in every in every realm. Uh, there's you have to take a media shuttle to get here. Uh, there's no other way to get to the arena, and it's every you know every other row uh, that people sit in. So a lot of spacing and social distancing there. Uh, I have I've got a mask right here. Uh, I'm not wearing because I'm way far away from everybody right now, and I'm trying to do this broadcast. But I've been wearing it all week. Gloves as well. Um, all the protocols are here. Everything is put in place. It is not perfect, and I don't think anybody would, would tell you it's perfect. There's no perfect way to do it. They did a lot to try to be safe. Um, I know people feel like they just shouldn't be even trying to do it, but if you want to look at what they did, they put a lot of things in place for the safety of a lot of different people. And, you know, we saw in their mind, the system worked. They isolated a positive test, got him out before uh, he fought. And, you know, the worst case scenario would have been if Jacare fought tonight and then tested positive, you know, Monday or Tuesday. Um, it's not perfect that he tested positive the night before the fight. And I think a lot of people would have said you should have canceled it then, but UFC wasn't going to do that. The Florida Athletic Commission didn't want them to do that. And I think, you know, even the state government, the federal government, government even, uh, I think was kind of worried about, hey, if you cancel this, what kind of message does this send? Nobody wanted to see that happen, and they weren't going to do it. So the co-main event, let's get into that a little bit. We saw Henry Cejudo retain his bantamweight belt and then retired. I don't think anybody was expecting that out of him, although Joe Rogan said uh, in a post-fight interview there with uh, Daniel Cormier and John Anik that he had heard some whispers that this was going to happen. Adam, did you have any indication during fight week that after Henry Cejudo had defeated and retained his title, defeating Dominic Cruz in round to do so, that he would actually decide to retire? No, not at all. Now, Dana White said tonight that Cejudo's been talking about it for a while behind the scenes and you know, maybe thinking about it. To me, I think what this was was, hey, I'm walking away unless you want to pay me a lot of money to stay around. Uh, that seemed to be what this was about. I think Henry Cejudo would take a fight if it's the right fight and the right amount of money. Uh, I don't think there's much question about that. He, I think, would be more than fine saying, this is what I've accomplished. I'm leaving. And if you're not going to pay me what I want, then I'm, I'm perfectly happy just moving on to the next chapter of my life. Uh, but right now, I have earned the right to maybe have a big payday. And if you don't want to give it to me, I don't need this anymore. I have, you know, uh, uh, I have a relationship now that I want to start a family. Uh, and so, you know, he's got other options. And I think that's what he's saying. He's basically saying, I'm retiring unless something very special comes along. And we did have the opportunity to hear from Henry Cejudo just before I got online with you here. So let's go ahead, hear from Henry Cejudo and what he was talking about, the many reasons as to why he wanted to hang up his belt and his gloves and uh, step aside from the fight game. Moved on. Moved on and I'm going to move on. I got a girl. I got a girl now. I, I just, I think more importantly, too, I want to start that next chapter in my life. I, I give so much to this world, even though I'm 33. Man, I, I lived, I, I, like, my life is more of a, like a 50 year old. I've done so much in combat sports and what I've sacrificed. So, you know, I eventually do want to have kids. And I, I just don't see myself. I was raised by a single mother. I never had a dad growing you know, I have a bunch of nieces and nephews, and I just don't envision myself fighting and having a kid. I just, I just don't see any. I've never saw that, and I've never had kids, and I could have had a bunch of kids. You know, I want to give my time to, to, you know, to my procreation. So Henry Cejudo, again, that was him just there in that post-fight clip. Uh, we were able to hear from him. He said that he didn't imagine himself fighting and then 
leaving his procreations behind. Uh, he was hoping to maybe start a family. So that's something we'll look forward to see. As we know, sometimes with MMA retirements, they don't always stay retired. We're currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB. You might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even Nathan's hot dog eating contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Go to Bet Online AG and use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two-ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are all just some of the benefits to shooting a daily favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First-time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. But Adam, there's one fight here involving a Las Vegan, we'll call him right now, Francis Ngannou, a heavyweight hitter to just put out Rosenstruck in less than uh, a minute. It took him all 20 seconds to get the knockout. And as Larry Miranai, our producer here on the show, we're looking at what was not really a technical type of fight. It was just Ngannou plowing forward, going after him, getting the job done. 20 seconds again, it took him to get the knockout. Uh, what did you make of Francis Ngannou putting away Rosenstruck so easily? And is he going to vie next for the baddest man on the planet title once we see a fight come together with Steve Miocic and Daniel Cormier? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the plan. I think the issue is Steve Miocic right now is, is worried about being a frontline worker during a pandemic, and he wants to focus on that for a while. Uh, he doesn't want to take a fight. He doesn't think he should be fighting in this situation. And the UFC has said, you should be. You should be taking a fight. Everybody else is fighting. Why don't you? Uh, so they're kind of at a standstill. So I think they want to make that fight happen as soon as they can. And Ganu seems like he's going to be next in line for that fight. What I thought was very interesting about his performance was that, you know, we saw him fight Derek Lewis, another similar type guy, just a big swinger, big striker. And it was very, you know, at a very slow start. I think they were feeling each other out, trying to figure each other out for a while. They were both concerned about the power of the other guy. And I thought that might happen again. But what we saw was Ngannou learning those lessons. And I think that should be where the rest of the division is very scared right now because Ngannou has all the talent in the world, certainly just unbelievable power. But now he's also figuring it out and is refining his game. And he learned that lesson from that last fight. That is what I think is the scary message that he sent. And man, I do not know what Rosenstreich did to Francis Ngannou, but boy, did he make him pay. That was vicious. And Ngannou, like I talked to him earlier this week. If, if you know people have been following along, they saw I was with him for his uh coronavirus test and he was kind of nervous he said you know i i think i'm ready i've been training for a long time i'm prepared but i just don't know how i'm gonna react to walk into an empty arena i don't know how i'm gonna feel and i won't find out until i step in there well i think he answered that question pretty easily so that's where i think we have to hear from carlos Sparza because you talk about the empty arena and i asked her because this was something i saw and found interesting early on in the fights uh, throughout this event was that a lot of the fighters were responding to the commentary. You heard the commentary from Daniel Cormier talking about, oh, she should try to set up those takedowns. And here goes Carla adjusting by hearing Daniel Cormier. So the empty arena definitely had some effect. Let's hear from Carla. 
How much did it help you to hear the commentary? I, I had seen something that you kind of heard something Daniel Cormier said and you reacted to it. Yeah, um, it's it's crazy because he was like kind of criticizing me and I was like, you know, part of me is like, hey, like, that's messed up, you know, like, why are you, you know, saying that? But I was like, you know, that's actually, that's actually a good idea. He's like, she's just, she's just uh, striking or she's just going for takedown. She needs to mix it up. I'm like, all right, all right. Like, I kind of tried to, like, make some adjustments in there. And, um, yeah, you're de it's crazy. You're definitely able to really hear them in there. Again, that was Carla Esparza. She defeated Michelle Watterson in, uh, this evening on the UFC 249 fight card. So now I want to talk about the amount of testing that's being done here, Adam, because uh, Dana White said something like over a thousand tests were being done with just this event. Now, as the week progresses here, you have two more fight cards still. We have a Wednesday fight card and we have a Saturday fight card. So as you look down the line, how many more tests do you think the UFC will administer here with all of the fighters involved in the coming fights and the ones that had just fought? Yeah, it seems like it seems like looking at about 300 per event or more. I know they talked about doing 1,200. I know they had to retest the fighters yesterday. Uh, so they talked about 1,200 fighters over the course of eight days. Uh, 1,200 tests, not 1,200 fighters, excuse me. So 1,200 tests they have to administer. And I know that put a big burden on the local uh, lab here. Mm -hmm. uh, I know they were supposed to get the test back within 24 hours the first day. Uh, sounded like those were delayed significantly, which was part of the issue in my mind in the, in the Jacare uh, scenario. So uh, I think that they, they got some help. Uh, they got some outside labs that stepped in. They had to retest all the fighters after the Jacare test came back on Friday. Uh, all those were negative and they got them back very, very quickly because uh, they had another lab step in and help out. So I think they're starting to figure that process out. And I think that's what you'll see throughout the week is that whatever you know, shortcomings they had in this plan. That was a very good plan for the most part. Uh, we'll try to be figured out and refined a little bit as the week goes on. And then going into, they hope, Las Vegas on May 23rd, I believe that will probably be more likely May 30th. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to do it in time on May 23rd. I think we'll see May 30th be that fight date in Las Vegas. But they said they have a hotel to, ready to go where they can quarantine everybody. And they think it'll be much, much better at the apex than it is here in Jacksonville, where, where everybody can wander around the town a little bit. All right, so all the next steps that would need to take place for this fight card to actually happen here in Las Vegas, I imagine, would just be getting the approval from the Nevada Athletic Commission. Do you know how far down the road we could maybe expect that to happen? Um, you know, I, I asked if they needed to know how far out uh, in order to schedule a fight, and they said they want to know as soon as they get home uh, to Las Vegas next Sunday. So uh, I would think they would need at least a week. But I feel like it's probably more. Like I said, I, I think May 23rd is very ambitious. They keep using that date. I'm going to say May 30th is the date. And they want to know, you know, by next week, by you know May 16th, if they can do it on May 30th. They already kind of put that card together. You know, Tyron Woodley, Gilbert Burns uh, would be the prob probable main event there. And I think they'll build a card and try to go May 30th. All right, Adam, thank you so much for all of that insight and analysis. I'm going to take the over on that one, too. I'm going to go with, like, June. I'm going to go with the June date that we see that happen at the Apex. So, Adam, great stuff as always. We'll let you get going. I know they're wrapping things up there in Jacksonville, and Adam's got to scurry out. So we'll wrap things up here on the RJ Ringside Podcast, and we hope you enjoy joining us here today. To find everything that Adam has done today and written about the UFC, go to ReviewJournal.com or check us out in print. You can also follow Adam at... Adam Hill, LVRJ on Twitter, and I'm at Heidi Fang. For Adam, for Larry, for all of us here that enjoyed a great night of sport, we really hope this does come back Wednesday and Saturday and that we will be here with you to break that down. Warriors, warriors, come out to play.